So he'll obviously his roles going to continue to grow on both ends. But he's a dog, man. Love that kid. Yeah, I'm a kid too off the court. Welcome back. We have another installment of the Bench Mob Podcast. For those that are tuning in, you're going to see me and Greg have the same stuff on because we just recorded a show before it is. So we really logging in minutes out here. We have special guest D Lamb. I saw his tweet. He said, "Don't call him David. Call him D Lamb." <laughs> D Lamb. We got D Lamb with us. One of the top player development skilled trainers that we have in the Jersey area. D Lamb, thank you for taking your time out out of your busy schedule. We know how busy your schedule is. Thank you for hopping on the bench mob to come talk with us with some sports and some basketball, man. Appreciate y'all having me, man. Happy to be here. Happy to be part of this. For you, um, getting straight into it, we mentioned a little bit, we talked about it, COVID and everything happened. How has that been for you as a trainer, you know, everything is different. We, you probably can't have, uh, you see a lot of kids that don't have either seasons or things like that. How has it been for you? Has it affected how you train or anything like that? Big time, big time. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start off on the business side of things because I think that helps uh, give a little bit of context. So by somehow, Honestly, my business actually grew during COVID because not, not not so much obviously during like March at the very beginning of the pandemic, but um, just kind of when during the summer when I came back, like June-ish, when, uh, you know, outdoor sports were starting to be allowed again, everything because AU had stopped. Um, obviously, kids are still looking to get work in and everything. So um, because there weren't really any AU tournaments and there wasn't that time conflict and everything. Um, it just so happened to work out where my business actually had grown during COVID. So uh, obviously it's a terrible situation with COVID and, you know, if we could, if I could snap my finger, obviously I would hope I would make it go in an instant. Um, but at the same time, I'm definitely blessed that, you know, I was able to take advantage of those opportunities to be able to have my business grow during this time. But training wise, for sure, man, um, obviously, trying to limit contact as much as possible if i mean really we're prohibiting contact but um i've been posting a few instagram videos um for like literally just showing some of the things that we're doing in terms of working on like decision making working on different things that typically you would need to obviously have a little bit of contact to be able to simulate but it's uh it's tough it's a challenge so it's just really trying to be creative um you know i mean using doing using whatever resources we have to really just try to make the most of this, you know, situation. Hey, I can't, can't um, even imagine how tough that is as a trainer to do that, being that basketball is a contact sport and some of it is needed. Um, but I've seen some of the videos, uh, it's great creativity of the simulation of trying to do it without the contact. And it's a huge, it's a huge blessing um, that your business is growing through it. So I, I really hope that that continues even once COVID is done, that it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Like, I can't go through most gyms and not hear your name pop up at some point right? mm -hmm. or see some kid that has not trained with you. Um, how has that been for you that, like, how do you handle the growth of the business and, you know, the more Instagram followers, like, how do you balance that out of, staying humble and staying hungry because it is growing, 
And some people get comfortable in the growth and the more followers, but it doesn't seem that you're getting comfortable at all. Nah, man, definitely not. I mean, I'll, be, I'll, I'll take that back. There are times for sure, I'll be honest, that there are times where I, like, not, like, minor lapses and times where I'll kind of, like, rest on my laurels, per se, if, uh, especially during, like, times where I have, like, long training days or something, it's like, okay, I'm not really trying to do this. I'm really trying to do that um, just because, you know, if you're in the gym, eight, ten hours, you know, she gets kind of exhausted. Oh, I'm sorry, am I allowed to – I should go. Good, you good. Oh, <laughs> um, no, nah, so yeah, man, stuff gets exhausting for sure. Um, but no, nah, I definitely tried to continue to push myself. It's something that being a former basketball player, just trying to, you know, grow my game, try to push myself to be the best player I could be, try to, you know, get to the goals that I want. You know, those, those lessons, I always say that sports is the best teacher, you know, sports is the best teacher in terms of like learning all those different life lessons, being able to hold yourself accountable for situations, being able to obviously have a great work ethic and, you know, teamwork communication. There's so many different lessons that you can learn throughout, uh, throughout sports, whether it be basketball, football, golf, whatever. Um, so I've been able to take a lot of those lessons that I've learned during my time playing and be able to relay them to, you know, what I do now with business um, with, growing the business like I don't know I uh I definitely continue to push myself for sure like I it's just something that uh I know where I want to be I know that what I'm capable of and by no means and it's also again going back to the lessons that I'm preaching to kids continue to grow yourself continue to be better than you know yesterday um those are lessons that even though I'm obviously not playing those are lessons that I need to be able to apply to what I do so that I can you know practice what I preach and not just be out here you know being a you know fake teacher talking about do this do that but I'm not doing the same for myself I mean that's that's valid and I think that's the big reason why there's a lot of draw to you to you because they know you're real like and like for the first time I met you I didn't even know too much about your brand I had to learn a little bit I think we met um the first time I went well since tryouts I think a year before the previous year the year before um this year's tryout man and um I'd seen you around I, I I'd heard a little bit but didn't know too much about the brand and just talking to you man like just you're just a genuine guy so I'm not surprised that the brand does as well that your brand does as well as well as it does and that you do as well as you do in this space um it could like ge being genuine and being real command commands a lot of respect especially with this generation of kids that are coming up pooping. They need to know you can do it too, and need to know that you're you're not just you know, you need to know the why behind whatever you teach them, and you do a really good job of explaining that even on your Instagram breakdowns. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask you too, I've always wondered this is your origin story, man. Like, how did you get into training? Like, obviously, I know you have a background in, but like, where did this all start for you? Yeah. Before I get into that question, I just want to add on to uh, the last part, just because I want to add a little bit more context. Um, just because you mentioned it, like I like. Yeah, I recognize that my brand is growing a little bit and obviously I'm beyond blessed and humbled uh, for that to happen. But at the same time, like I, you know, I've I'm lucky to call upon mentors who are some of the, you know, quote unquote, best basketball trainers in the world. Like, you know, DJ Sackman, Drew Hanlon. I have relationships with these guys to where I can reach out to them when need be and to see them, you know, at the stage where they are, obviously, where they're world renowned trainers and they're very very humble dudes they're phenomenal guys um and obviously way busier than me uh it just you know there's no reason that i can't be like that and it's all about 
at the end of the day, like regardless of how many followers I have, regardless of how big the business gets and everything like that, at the end of the day, it should and will be about the craft, about the relationships. So it's all about, you know, being able to build relationships with, with the players that I work with, be able to give them as much value as I can and hopefully, you know, be able to see them be able to get results from the stuff that I teach. So that's, that's you know, always going to be the premise of it. There's so many different ways to make money and stuff like that. But if it's, if you're not, if you're not true about it, if you're not really about this life, then it's, you know, there's not really room. There's the real will show eventually. Like there are, you know, trainers out there, obviously not going to name names who are going, who just kind of go through it for the paycheck and everything, which is, you know, cool. I understand that's a job, but for me, it's, it's always going to be at the end of the day about the, the purity of the craft. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, going back to, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot the, the second, the origin story. Yeah, man. Yeah. Just take me back to like where it all started, man. I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious. Cause like, I, I, I've seen some of your Instagram posts about your past and growing up mm-hmm. and just, you know, Bit, little bits and pieces about how you got into this and how you got into this game right but there's a real passion for the game that you have and like I know because Tone can tell you me and I, I started uh, a little bit of my own training program a training uh, company that I was working on. I was always doing basketball training it started with my little brother who played for Unity and um, yo them days get crazy mm-hmm. like trainers trainers work hard I mean I was it was like 9 a.m to 9 at night when things were good and um, you know real life came knocking. I got a real, I got a job. Like I got a nine, a nine to five, I guess, kind of, but um, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm curious. I'm really curious as to know like how, you know, this all started for you. Sure. I mean, I was always one of those kids who obviously not six, seven, not don't have a 40 inch bird and stuff like that. So I've always had to uh, obviously work super hard on the skill set part of my game, but it's always come. It's always been a fascination. I've always been one of those guys who like, um, I needed to know every little part of, you know, why we're doing this, how we're doing it, how it applies, like just every little detail as a kid. Um, you know what I mean? So just that attention detail obviously continues to stick with me. And, you know, eventually I'll tell you that I obviously like every other kid I had hoop dreams, uh, tried to play college ball. I played two years of emerging from South Jersey, small town called Defford. Um, I played two years at a local JUCO, uh, and from there, obviously, I didn't really do what I wanted to do there, but tried to transfer to a small school in California. Um, I went there, was kind of, my knee was kind of messed up, so I didn't play. But then I came back after that semester to Montclair State University. And once I came back, I, re- I kind of realized that, like, all the, you know, trying to chase the hoop dreams and everything, like, Although I still kind of enjoyed it, I kind of started to lose the love for actually like playing just because there's there's a lot that a lot of that goes into that just in terms of like there's a lot of good players out there that just don't have the right opportunities to, you know, be uh, to be able to be put in front of those college coaches or people, those decision makers, which is obviously why I'm such a big fan of your guys program with unity, because I think you guys do a great job being able to put kids in front of, you know, uh, those decision makers. But yeah, I started to just really, honestly, start to lose love for the game in terms of playing. But as I was lucky enough to, as that was kind of winding down, my love for teaching the game started to kind of come up. And just especially with Instagram popping off in like, this is like 2016, um, being able to see guys like 
the like I said, the Drew Halens, the DJ Stackmans, guys who I see like, oh wait, like you can really make money training. You can actually like make a living training and still being around the game and not necessarily coaching, but like still being around the game and being, you know, having that attention to detail to really help basketball players. So I was like, you know, I'm in, I'm in. So it was a rough journey for sure. Um, but it was, you know, obviously super, super gratifying. I'm super happy to be where I am right now. With, with being a trainer, um, Greg mentioned he did it. I did it for a little bit and I already knew that was not what I wanted to do. That's a whole nother level of, like you said, attention to detail and very, 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 very long days that trainers have to do. What is the most gratifying thing when training these players? Like seeing them excel, um, seeing the players come back again and again, um, making an impact on their lives where some of these players become like family to you. Like what's the most gratifying part of this process for you? Yeah, I mean, for, it's for sure the relationships. Like being, like I said, being able to work with a kid, whether it be once a week, whether it be seven times a week, like I, just being able to really build that relationship to the point where they are like family, like that's absolutely the most gratifying part. Um, it's I, being able to see them grow. Like obviously I'm working with a lot more like kids that are younger than me. Um, you know, not too, not too, too young, obviously a lot of high schoolers, college kids, um, but being able to see them grow, especially with like, you know, as a person too, the maturity levels, like kids that I've trained since they were freshmen in high school. Like I have a kid um, who I worked with, uh, one of the first kids I worked with, um, he was a freshman in high school um, a few years ago. And now, now he's, you know, a freshman at NJIT. So, you know, throughout those four years, being able to see kids like that, um, their growth as players, as people, like that's, that's it for me. You know what I mean? Being able to see that for sure. And basketball wise, like, I call it like those aha moments. Like, you know, when a kid or a player is struggling with something that you teach them and it's like, oh man, can't get it right, can't get it right. But then that one moment where it is kind of everything clicks, you know what I mean? It might take, it might take two reps. It might take, you know, a couple of days. But once that kind of clicks and then they're like, oh man, I got it now. That's like, you know, that's the kind of gratifying moments. Like, yes, that's it. And then obviously, when they're able to apply it into a real game situation or something like I've, you know, a couple of kids who will just, they'll send me clips, you know, of them doing a move that we worked on in games. And like, that's what it's about. No, I, mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And that um, freshman you're talking about at NJIT, he is a problem. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen him out here on the gram. I've seen you posted him. Uh, he's cold. Uh, I actually hooped him at a, at a run um, a couple of years back. Um, he's 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 cold. Like <laughs> me and Ruben were talking about them. A little brother. He's nice. Um, but I, I, another thing I want to talk to you a little more about too is like the actual training piece of it, right? I think every kid needs work in different parts of their game, right? Is there any like core skill set you're trying to teach people? Like, or is there any area you focus on more than others? I know certain trainers are better with certain different things. I'm sorry, I didn't get the last part of the question. Yeah, I was saying, like, is there any core skill set you're focusing on with young guys, like, in terms of, like, shooting the ball or ball handling? Is there anything specifically you're working on that you specialize in, or do you work on, like, their entire game as a whole? Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes in different segments, per se. Like, 
if it's a kid that I'm working with more so in an intimate setting, like a one-on-one, like, you know, just maybe two people in a workout or something like that, like, we have a more specialized focus. We uh, we really try to, depending on what level they're at, you know what I mean, especially for the older guys um, and girls, I try to, we, we have a sit down, we break down what parts of their game they, you know, feel like they're good at, what parts of their game. Um, like, for example, this is something that we do. It's called a SWOT analysis. Um, I, I stole it from Drew Hanlon. And essentially, you know, for these guys who are a lot more like high level players, um, we'll go ahead and break down the game. Um, and not even just high level players, I've done it with you know, a bunch of high school players, but um, we'll break down the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities for them to grow, uh, opportunities for them to grow in their game and be threats, things that are going to kind of prohibit them from being able to either be on the court or just, you know, uh, thrive in general on the court. So if they're like a defensive liability or something, that would be a threat. And we go ahead and just kind of uh, talk about those things and really kind of break down the, the entire their entire game and try to figure out what are the specific things that we need to focus on, like right now. Like obviously, for a 16 year old, there's tons and tons of things that they can work on, but just really trying to narrow down what their uh, what parts of the game they need to work on, so we can have a more clarified focus and just make sure we're not just like running around doing this workout today, this workout tomorrow, and just like, you know, a bunch of different stuff. Um, but overall, like we do try to have a, uh, a central focus um, for each player and for like the group workouts and stuff, there's still a central focus. Like I each, like starting this, this past year, um, I wrote out like a curriculum. So for you know eight weeks of training every week had a specified focus whether it be pin downs whether it be whatever um just stuff that any high school player is going to need or any middle school player is going to need in their game um just really being able to break down the nuances of those things and really be able to make sure that they at least have a good understanding of it and obviously the things that they feel like they need a little bit more for example like in a, a group workout for example like I, i'll have Jaden carter a point guard and um drew stack who is transitioned to be a point guard but he's also like a two guard as well yeah. so for them it's like yeah we're working on the same thing now but drew you might need to work on this more and Jaden, you might need to work on that more so it's you know giving them like obviously you only have so much time like an hour or whatever an hour and a half per session but then being able to give them feedback so they know exactly what sh- they should be focusing on when they get home and obviously hold themselves accountable and, uh, and uh, for all the listeners out there, he just gave a shout out to the Unity Legends program, uh, Drew and Jaden. Yeah, they don't want these ones. They don't want ones with me. They're trying to duck me with these ones. They, I, I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy, Yeah, <laughs> They think I'm washed. They think I'm, they think I'm washed. It's crazy. Hey, man. You got to let them know sometimes. You got to let them know. You, you, get, you be getting challenged to ones? <laughs> huh? You be getting challenged to these ones? These guys, they be, they be testing you? Once in a while, I once in a while, I give I, I give the old man excuse though. <laughs> I can't be out here. Look, I can't be out here training eight hours a day, and then you're gonna try to challenge me at the end of the day. Like that's not how it works. Right. You have to catch me in the winter yeah. on a fresh day, <laughs> like two to warm up. They know what they're doing. You mentioned, you mentioned the the SWAT analysis you got from um, Drew Hanlon, right? So when it comes to your training, uh, you had started where do you go for your workouts like is this a lot of it from your mentors is a lot of it 
you know, just off of your own creativity from what you've seen in your basketball career and what you know, your knowledge of what needs to be worked on, or is like a combo of mentors, your knowledge, and you put it together, and there's your your program. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a combination for sure. Like, uh, I've learned a ton from mentors, um, whether it be, you know, former trainers that I've had, um, obviously business and best other mentors like you know TJ and Drew, like I mentioned. Um, but honestly, the the biggest part of that is just you know a ton a ton of film study um you know obviously experience too like there are a lot of things that I've done three years ago four years ago that I wouldn't necessarily do now um but you know so being able to kind of grow as a trainer and realize that okay we tried this it didn't really work as well as we would have liked so let's try pivot off of that but for sure um game you know being able to study film um I'm a big proponent of whatever you see in games like honestly I'll be honest, I don't think basketball train to be a basketball trainer, I don't really think it's that hard. Like if you just literally watch a basketball game and you just really watch it and you replicate what those guys are doing. And like it yeah, obviously there are certain nuances um that are tough to be able to adjust to and take some time. But for the most part, it's like if you just watch a game and just teach what you see in that game, like that's you know, you're in a very, very good position. Like just being able to study a ton of film, you know, learn from mentors and be able to, you know, learn from prior experiences, just a lot of trial and error. I think those three things are the kind of uh, the core concepts that go along with being able to really just grow your IQ and understand how to um, be a basketball trainer, how to help these kids and help, help these basketball players grow. That's a nice point too. Yeah, that's really good points. That's important. Um, a lot of people, I don't think, um, from trainers that I've seen, not naming names, some of them, they don't do that aspect of the film study. Like, that's something I think definitely transfers over whether you play still or not is the film study and being able to now apply it to the court. What is uh, one of the things that you think is lacking when you see some of these player development or training programs? What do you think is one of the things that's definitely lacking in that? Good question. Um, I think that in general, there are a lot of guys who just are mimicking other trainers. And I say that in the sense of like, oh, I watched this Instagram video. It looks cool. Let me go ahead and take it and apply it, which is cool. But you need to understand the like the all the details that go go along with it. Like I know there are a lot of training methodologies out there that are somewhat uh, taboo or, you know, like that are very cr critiqued. But, you know, if if you have good reasoning behind it, then you know, at, at least, you know, you're able to back it. But there are a lot of trans who will just, you know, see something, just take something they see off of social media and then try to replicate it and not know all the nuances of it. And then that's how you're, you know, kids could potentially get hurt or just, you know, not optimize the time that they have with you. So I think that like you meant, like you just said, man, just being able to really understand everything that you're doing, like, and how it applies to games is really the main thing. There are a lot of trainers who are just training off of fluff um, player. I mean, trainers who think that they're good trainers because they, uh, 
they had a great playing career and it just it doesn't work like that like there are plenty of great students out there you know what i mean like just to use another analogy there are plenty of 4.0 students out there who would not be able to go in front of the classroom and start teaching you know from the uh, textbook and that's just you know that's just because they don't know all the nuances behind those things like you really have to be able to know things in and out like um again i talked about the simplicity of being a player development coach but there's so many different things that go along with it actually like you know like i said being able to understand how to develop skill but then beyond that how do you develop relationships to be able to have the player actually give a damn about what you're talking about how do you go how's how do you know how it applies and how how do you know how it applies to what they're doing you have to know their you know offenses their offensive system do you know what Princeton offenses do you know what a ball screen continuity do you know what these different actions are Spain staggered like do you know all the options of it do you know how they these actions work how do you know these defensive concepts do you know how like it's a lot that goes into kind of what the top of the top do and not saying that I'm a you know a top tier trainer but understanding you know understanding and having these conversations with top tier trainers it's like there's a different level to it that a lot a lot of people just really don't know about that, that's key. That's key with this whole thing, too. Like, I, I, you know, when I started getting into the training thing, like the training space, it really was out of a place where I was trying to work with my little brother and just trying to get him as good as possible. What I realized quickly was that, like, the knowledge I had from playing basketball, it doesn't match up to a lot of, like, the professional trainers that do this. And I didn't, I didn't think that I had that, right? But, like, when you talk to someone like you, right, and you're talking about the defensive principles and you're talking about different offenses and ball screen continuity, like there's, there's levels to, right. There's levels. To, there's definitely benefit in working with a professional basketball, um, like a basketball trainer at the same time, right. On the other side of the token, do you advocate for young guys to work on like how much are you advocating? For that? So for them to work on their own, like just work on their own game on their own time. Like how much are you advocating for that with these guys? I would, well, first of all, also, I'm sorry, just add on to the last one with trainers. Like I say that, but at the same time, it is no, by no means me bashing any trainers. Like there's, there's plenty of basketball players that can benefit, especially like younger players from just go ahead and work with this guy and do a bunch of ball handling, get a ton of shots up. Like there, I don't see like any flaw with that, but I think at the same, I just, it, sometimes it gets to me how people market themselves like, oh, I'm an elite trainer because I played at this level. And it's like, no, you're an elite basketball player at that level. And you have yet to prove yourself to be, you know, quote unquote elite. Everybody's an elite trainer these days. Um, so it's a, it's a term that, you, can, you know, what you can't really take serious. But um, no, I mean, I 100% that like, I think it's more important for basketball players to work by themselves than work with trainers. Like obviously, you know, a qualified trainer can bring a ton of value, but at the same time, like I have plenty of players who have come to me and, you know, kind of half-assed a workout, but, you know, I know that they're not really holding themselves accountable at home. Like they'll come in for a workout, but they're not really about getting better. They're just kind of here to get a sweat in and, you know, call it a day, which is cool, but it's like, you really, like when it comes to getting yourself better, you need to have a plan. We talked about um, like the players that I do that stuff with, like this, the SWA analysis and everything. Like those are players that I know are going to take it seriously. I'm not going to waste my time doing it with a player that 
excuse me, is not going to, I know it's not going to follow through on the plan that we, we laid out for them. So it's, it's super important for these players to hold themselves accountable and be able to, whatever we work on, take, you know, take from themselves and um, go ahead and work on it. Or even if we don't work on it, that's why I post stuff on Instagram and, you know, TikTok and whatnot, just so that they can actually take some stuff. And, you know, if they don't have the resources, they don't have the money or whatever to be able to afford a trainer, then there's so much content out there. There's so much information out there that you should still be able to get better regardless. And it's, it all comes down to accountability. Like how much do you want to improve yourself as a basketball player? Two part question. Um, accountability is definitely key and that's in life. You see it in school. You, the teacher can give you all the information and notes and whatnot. If you don't go read it at home, you're not gonna be able to apply it. We see accountability is needed across the board. You mentioned so far multiple times, you say, we set up this plan, we set up this plan, we work the player. Is it a team of you and others that work with these players or is it just you? And secondly, I've seen your videos. Uh, they're very helpful, the breakdowns, as you said, for somebody that may be struggling financially. If you have a phone and Instagram, DLAM training is going to give you a nice amount of drills that you could do. How much does social media play as a factor in your business and its success and its growth? Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, can you repeat the first part of the question? When you mentioned we, is the team of people like um, you have a working? No, um, so in terms of just basketball stuff, it's just me. Um, it's just me kind of run, doing all the training, running everything at the moment. Um, we'll see how, you know, how much growth we have uh, throughout the next you know, year or a couple of years or whatever. And that'll kind of dictate if uh, it makes sense to bring more people in and be able to continue to kind of touch you know, more basketball players around the area, if that makes more sense. But at the, uh, at the time being, it's just me and uh, my camera guy, actually, um, he's obviously behind the camera, helping me a lot with the social media stuff. Uh, Uncut X Remy, uh, Zach Massing, he's been phenomenal helping me with my stuff. Um, but yeah, he's been obviously, like I said, with the social media stuff, he's been phenomenal helping me with that. Um, it's been huge, man. Social media, obviously, that's just the day that, this is the time that we live in now where you have to be able to, you know, well, you have to be able to market yourself. You have to be able to show people what you can do. And I think that, it, um, you know, everybody has their own philosophy with it. Some people may be a little bit more old fashioned and it's like, oh, you know what? I don't want to be on social media doing this, that, and the third, which there are plenty of successful, you know, basketball people out there who are not on social media, like trainers and stuff like that, who, you know, I've been able to find other ways to be able to grow their business and maintain a, uh, you know, great client base, which is fantastic. And there are other people who have built their, you know, uh, businesses on the back of social media. So I think that it's just about how you go about it. You know what I mean? I try to, like I said, I'm not out here on TikTok doing these dances and trying to, you know, clout chasing and everything like that. Um, you know, I'm trying to, like, my, the way that I want to do it is, you know, I want to be authentic. I want to bring value. I want to show people that, you know, there is another way to go about basketball training than just working hard or doing a bunch of you know nonsense drills that we that we feel are just up that we should be doing now just because they've been we've seen them all throughout the years like all these different 
you know, whatever drills, tennis ball, two balls, or whatever like that, like, I think that if done in the right context, yes, they can help. But I think that, you know, my philosophy at least is just that there are other ways we can go about it. And I just, I try to highlight that, you know, and what I do. So just try to be authentic on social media, obviously, you know, different way, finding different ways to be able to get that message out to as many people as we can. But at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's just, I think that it's a valuable, valuable marketing tool that we should, you know, it's, it's free that we should be taking advantage of. That's a fact. And, and you, you do a really good job of that, by the way. Like it's, it's like the, first of all, um, Zach, Uncut Remy does a phenomenal job with the camera, A1, uh, oh, yeah. up and up and up and coming like that. It's really, it's really, <laughs> really, it's, the videos are fire, bro. And then you see like a lot of the content he puts on his page, like it, it's great. So shout out to him. Uh, hopefully we get to get him a tag here on one of these clips. We got but, him. Uh, next, we got him on the show next week. We, we're going to talk to it's, it's confirmed? Sure. We're we going to talk to Zach. We'll oh. make sure. I'll make sure. <laughs> hey, man, bench pop blowing up. I don't know. But uh, um, the next question I have for you, bro, um, just, you know, thinking as you were talking here, I know you did the 30-day um, the video series you where you were breaking down film mm -hmm. of, like, certain players and things of that nature. And I noticed, I couldn't help but notice that it was all, for the most of it, for the most part anyways, a lot of it was NBA players. Yeah. right that you were breaking down some coaches are of the thought that young hoopers should only watch college basketball players because they play harder and for the listeners i'm putting air quotes around that um because i don't know how much i subscribe to that line of thinking um i think there's some truth to it but i don't know i want to get your take on that like are you obviously i can't you i kind of know where you stand on it you're showing younger players pro film which i think makes a lot of sense but what is your thinking behind that and do you have a preference in terms of what film you're going to analyze and have young players analyze? Mm -hmm. um, the, the, for the first question, do I, I'm sorry, was it, what was the question part? Was the first? Yeah, honestly, I, I rambled there a little bit, but the, the, the main question is like, do you have like a preference in terms of like what young players, like which level of basketball young players should focus on in terms of film study? Oh yeah. College and basketball, NBA. For sure. Um, I think it makes sense for sure to watch a lot of college film for these guys. Um, the stuff that I watch for NBA players, like, for example, like I can understand that, you know, the concerns that, cause I, I've played for coaches like that who, have, you know, who were like, you know, shouldn't watch that much NBA basketball because they're not doing this or they're doing, there's too much ISO ball. They're not playing hard on defense. And it's like, uh, you can play as hard as you want, but like it's it's very it's very very hard to stop Kevin Durant. And also, if I have Kevin Durant on my team, it's like I'm not going to be running through some you know whatever convoluted offense when I can just run through this one or two actions, get him the ball, and get the heck out of his way. Like because he's a seven foot guard, he's going to shoot over people. Um, so I I do I subscribe to that? Yeah, to an extent. I think that obviously. Um, when you look at NBA basketball, like throughout the regular season, at least, that there are definitely, you know, points in time where they're not playing as hard as maybe a college basketball player would be. But I mean, also take into consideration that they're playing 80 of 82 regular season game, or excuse me, 82 game regular season, as opposed to possibly a 25, 30 game regular season um, at the college level, depending on what level you're at. So, you know, I think that, that you know, should be taken into account. But for sure, I, I believe I personally 
strive to you know, I lean more towards NBA film for sure. Um, I personally cannot stay in college basketball. I'm not a fan of it, but um, at, at you know at most levels, um, it, the rules just are just stupid in my opinion. Shot clock is too long. There's no defense of three seconds, so you have these seven, big seven footers just camping in the lane, just turd, just messing up the spacing. Um, you know, the spacing just isn't you know as good. They're running a bunch of. Like I can go on and on about you know why I personally am not as big of a fan of college basketball. I need to do a better job of watching it though. But um, I definitely lean more towards NBA basketball. Um, but at the same time, like with that, it's not like I'm showing kids like films like side steps and you know fourteen and whatnot like you know the game is the game you know i mean I'm, I'm showing kids like plenty of film on how jj reddick gets open on pin downs i'm showing you know kids how avery bradley slides on defense and stuff like that like you know those are in my opinion more applicable you know and i mean you can show them stuff like that in, uh from college film for sure like, i've definitely shown players like college film as well but um, I, I just tend to lean more towards NBA just because that's just a preference. You mentioned, you mentioned Avery Bradley and sliding on defense. We talked about the notion that, you know, NBA players don't play defense as much or don't play defense as hard. Uh, I want to bring up a tweet I saw. You said, the thought that defense is solely about effort and heart is crazy. So much technicality that goes along with it from an individual player standpoint, let alone team defense. Can you break down that tweet for me? Because I am of the same mindset. We were all taught at some point, our coach was like, defense is just heart and how bad do you want it? But when you're guarding KD, heart does not matter. You're seven. So can you break down that tweet for me? Damn, I'll do your homework. <laughs> um. Yeah, man, like there, there's so much in, there's so many concepts that go along with defense. Uh, obviously from team standpoint, there's so many different, like there's like off the top of my head, like six, seven ways to defend a ball screen. Um, probably more than that. And that's just a ball screen alone. Obviously, you know, different play, uh, different types of coverages for different, you know, actions and whatnot, how to guard a, a pin, a down screen, a pin down. Um, there's so many different philosophies on how to, you know, from a team aspect, but just individually, like, you know, I think that it's a cop-out as with anything else, like with any, like, for example, you've, you've all been to AU games and coaches and parents are, you know, screaming the same things with your shot, hold your follow through, bend your knees, uh, follow your shot. Like these are just super generic terms that people are just throwing out there. And, um, I think it just comes from from a place of just laziness, in my opinion. Like you have, to, if you're going to make these statements, like they should, as with anything else, like if you're going to make a statement, there should be some type of um, evidence behind it. There should be some sort of knowledge behind it. So, like defensively, like I, you know, I had a session today where we spent the first fifteen ish minutes just breaking down two defensive concepts, two or three defensive concepts, just being able to work on, you know, how like the we could literally have an entire podcast just talking about individual defense. Um, you know, something that I've tried to study and I can do better with it too in teaching it, but I've tried to study it a lot. I've tried to, you know, help players who maybe it doesn't come as natural to be able to figure out different ways to be able to develop those qualities so that they can you know, become high level defenders. I think that, you know, everything for the most part on the court can be taught to an extent, like, you know, I'm not, 
if there's a kid who has limited athleticism, like obviously I'm not going to turn him into Ja Morant. Um, but, it, you know, there's certain quality, you know, not everybody is going to shoot as well as Steph Curry, but there are certain qualities for sure that can optimize a certain any player's ability to do a certain task. I think that's, that's key, like you said. You make sure, I think the thing is, is realistic expectations. If it's somebody that's five foot seven, I can't, you can't come to D-Land and think I'm going to now turn you into Zion Williamson. That's just not, it's only but so much. We Let's work on, all right, your ball handling, your, your jump shooting, things of that nature. Um, staying kind of on that topic. It's been kind of debated. I've heard different people have different mindsets. Like I know I was told growing up, defense wasn't that important because all scouts really look for mainly is people that can put the ball in the bucket. You look at the NBA, a lot of the top paid players are mainly people that can put the ball in the bucket or create offense. What is your viewpoint on the importance of defense and the importance of, hey, you on the other end of the court, can you get a bucket? Can you handle the rock? Can you facilitate? Yeah, I mean, I've kind of come up with a philosophy that um, every player should have, like obviously to a high school extent, at least, every player needs to obviously be able to shoot at a, a fairly good clip, right? You have to be able to ha you know, be a consistent and reliable shooter. You have to be able to handle pressure, make sure that obviously, whether it be a press, whether it be somebody getting up in you, um, you have to be able to stay composed and be able to make good decisions. You got to be able to pass, dribble, and finish with both hands. And you got to be able to defend. You got to be able to defend your position if you can't play, you know, because that's half the game, right? If you're not able to defend on the other end of the court, um, you, you better be a bucket getter. Like, you better be about a bucket. Like, if you're not, putting up like 20 plus points a game and you know you don't have that trust from your coach to do so then you're gonna have to be able to affect the game in other ways and obviously even if you are able to um score at a very high clip like you still need to you know college coaches like it's important like I don't think that it's news to anybody like I friends with plenty of college coaches who who are very very aware of that fact who you know they can all those you can teach defense, um, like they can bring you in to teach defense and everything like that. Just being able to have that quality in you to be able to show that you are um, a willing and able defender. Like I think that, especially if you're a fringe player in terms of the scholarship, you know, if you're a fringe D2 D1 player, if you're just a fringe D3 player or just not playing college basketball at all, like I think that though that's something that will – potentially separate you from the crowd like it's just something that it's you know you have to be able to play your heart out on that and just be able to give yourself as much of a chance as possible to be able to get to where you want to go there's just no way around it well I think if you look at the landscape of like the NBA and guys getting paid I mean guys like KD he's he's dedicated himself to the defensive end especially in that Warriors run and um, I think I, I saw him playing a little defense in that preseason game the other night, uh, the first one they played. So, like, getting Bron, like, with the chase down blocks, there's so much more than that. That's the, that's the sexy play everyone's paying attention to, but he does a lot defensively. That makes him viable on that side of the ball. So, I, you know, there's definitely value in there for all the young hoopers listening um, to the podcast. You definitely want to play some defense if you want to get on the court. Um, one question I have for you, too, that I've always been interested in, too, um, 
you know, as a trainer, um, there are a lot of trainers out there and a lot of trainers will say, hey, we all can eat, right? Like there's no space for all of us in, in this, this space. Um, how do you feel about the idea of kids working out with more than one trainer? I, I'll be honest, I, I'm not a fan of it in the sense of not even from I feel threatened or anything. I'm not a fan of it because like, just like we talked about earlier, if, you know, Johnny or whoever, little Johnny is coming to me on Monday to work on his shooting and, you know, working on his jump shot, I'm telling him to do this. I'm telling him whatever, giving him whatever tips with his jump shot. And then on Wednesday, he goes to another trainer and that trainer is telling him something, do something different with his jump shot. He's going to have so many different things racking in his head or even, even though a jump shot, a jump shot is a very, very sensitive thing. But even aside from that, even from a more general standpoint, if we're working on finishing and he's, you know, tomorrow he's working on ball handling and the next day he's working on whatever, it's just like, how are you going to expect to get better if you're only working on one part of your game once a week or, you know, three times a week or whatever like that? Like you have to be able to have some sort of consistency. So, excuse me, like, like, for example, like, obviously I have players who are playing in college and I try to have relationships with uh, their college coaches to make sure that we're all on the same page in terms of that player's development. So I'll give you an example, a player um, that I work with, Dominique Darius, who's a UCLA women's basketball commit. Um, you know, I've, I've sat down with her coach um, and we on FaceTime and like we've had talks like, OK, this is like how where we feel her game is at now is where we feel like she has opportunities to grow and just like understand what they want out of her and obviously what they'll be working on with her so that by the time she comes back here, then it's like, okay, we know exactly where we stand. This is what we need to work on. Um, so we're not wasting any time. And whether she goes to another trainer or not, like whether whoever I work with goes to another trainer or not, the goal is to try to help that kid grow as quickly as possible. Obviously, you know, we talk about it being a process, but we, we have a very central focus and, you know, we're working on finishing, you know, five to six days out of the week for a month. Like you're going to see rapid, rapid improvement in your finishing a lot faster than if you only did it two or three times a week for two months. So I think that in the sense of just the actual development of players, like I'm not as a big, I'm not a huge fan of it just because for that, for that matter, because of the lack of communication that kind of goes along with it. But I mean, in terms of competition standpoint, like or a business standpoint, like I'm, I'm not threatened by it or anything. I think that's a really good point too, and 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 it kind of lends itself to the question I had earlier too about like I know certain trainers like specifying certain things, uh, like specialize in certain things. Like Mike Dunn on Instagram will specialize in shooting the ball. He's great at it, right? Like, and some guys specialize in ball handling. I think um, similar to like when you play, training is interesting because like it's important to be well-rounded in it, right? And like be knowledgeable in all the different parts of the game, right? Um, I kind of asked you earlier, like what if you put your, if you like hang your hat on one, to being able to teach one aspect of the game better than anything else, right? Like circling back to that, right? Like I know it sounds like you do everything all around, right? Like um, I know I, I, there's, you know, there's tapes, apparently there's rumors about you being a ball handling wizard back when you was open, you know what I'm saying? So like what, what do you hang your hat on? Like, what is there anything you do hang your hat on or you try to be as well-rounded as, as possible in terms of, like, the skills you specialize in? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, 
Going, well, just touching on that real quick, um, I I certainly think that it's fine for trainers to have a certain niche, like a Mike Dunn, who is a phenomenal shooting coach. We actually worked with a, a mutual player, um, a good friend of mine, but he like he's a phenomenal trainer and he has a certain niche, obviously. But in terms of like being an all-around trainer, I think that is definitely key for the most part as well, just because if you're working with a variety of players, you need to be able to be prepared to – you know, if player A needs this, player B needs that, you need to be prepared to be able to give them as much as possible for whatever they, that player needs. Um, as for me, obviously, I try to be as well-rounded as possible. I try to understand all parts of the game, um, both from a skills perspective and a game application perspective in terms of, obviously, like we talked about, just how things fit into games, how it fits into what your team does um, offensively and defensively. If I, if I had to pick one, I would probably say shooting. Like uh, something that I definitely try to um, hang my hat on. Uh, I've spent a lot of time just studying shooting, studying, you know, all the little different components, being able to try to help players, you know, correct their shots as quickly and efficiently as possible. But, um, you know, I have a lot, a lot of room for growth in, the, in that department as well. Speaking of um, growth and things to work on, which I think is great that you, throughout this whole interview, you have been able to, really say, I need growth in this area. I need growth in that area. And that's something that, you know, is needed in life to be able to be honest and still humble. Like, no, I still have room for improvement in this area. What would you say would be some of the top things as a trainer that you would want to improve on? And then the second part, with some of the mentors you have and the connections and the growth that is continually happening, do you have any aspirations to work with professional athletes or like, get a job with the Nets as their trainer? Like, do you have any of those aspirations? Yeah. Um, in terms of things that I need to, I want to get better at, obviously there, you know, is, there's a lot of things. Um, I could be more organized. I could be a better communicator. I could be more diligent in terms of uh, when I'm not on the court. A lot of things I'm talking about really aren't on the court. Um, you know, there's so much preparation that, that leads into it. I, on the court is like the games for me and everything else, the film studies, the the back end stuff that goes along with the business, that's the practice. Those are the workouts. So for me and, uh, you know, being able to be more diligent with those things, stay more focused so that I can get those tasks done so that when I step on the court, everything is easy flowing and I'm able to, um, <clears throat> we're able to get the most out of that session, that hour or whatever. Uh, I, that's something that I need to improve on for sure. Um, but in terms of aspirations, yeah, like the overall goal for me personally is to work with professional basketball players on a consistent basis. Um, you know, I've kind of started to, you know, crack my foot in that door a little bit, but it's, you know, the end goal is to, you know, bust that door wide open and really be able to continue to get my name out there as a trainer, obviously continue to get that, uh, the brand out there and be able to work with players at the highest level and really kind of prove that I am capable of providing value at that level and be able to challenge myself um, more importantly as a just a basketball educator being able to challenge myself at the highest level to show to myself really just kind of prove up to myself being you know going back to being you know having those traits uh, that have transitioned from a basketball player to a businessman a, a basketball trainer still having that competitive fire to uh, show myself like hey like like how do I know like I can really impact this game at the highest level 
am I able to have a conversation with the Steve Kerr's, the Greg Popovich's, and be able to hold a conversation with them in terms of basketball IQ and obviously be able to help a, uh, a player at the highest level go from possibly a, uh, a borderline NBA player to a solidified NBA vet and be able to change his, the course of his family's history by obviously having that generational wealth that comes with NBA contracts. Like that is certainly something that I'm looking forward to being able to achieve one day. Well, outside looking in, um, I don't foresee that not happening uh, with everything that you've said so far, the, what we see on social media and the work ethic and from what I heard from players, what I've heard from Zach, um, that's, that's my brother. From what I've heard, I don't foresee that not happening for real, for real. No, I appreciate that, man. I was saying when we first started the pod, man, it's, it's genuine. Um, it's genuine. I, when I first met you, um, just, you could just, you, you radiate a passion for the game. Like, you know what I mean? Like you radiate a passion for the game and, and um, I, I, I guess it takes one to know one. I, I love basketball in a way that is obsessive myself. Right. And I, it is, it's kind of taken a different form for me outside of just training people. I've, I try to get involved with unity and things of that nature, but seeing you, it reminds me of like just kind of like that passion, that, that, that kid like joy you have for the game, whenever you're on the court or you're around the game um, and things of that nature. Um, that being said, right. Like, you know, you talked about specializing in shooting, and I've, I've had this discussion with so many people. We had uh, Mingo on the podcast. He said that shooting is the most important thing a basketball player can do. Absolutely. Do you, you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. You got it. You have to be able to sh shoot, and if you don't, if you can't shoot at a super high clip, like, I mean, that's just, first of all, that's just the game today. Like, guards, going back to the NBA example, like a uh, – uh, Rondo or Ricky Rubio, they've obviously had to transition and really try to, uh, you know, evolve their game to be a respectable shooter, which they have for sure. Um, but it's absolutely, a, you know, I would say that's the most important skill for sure. And along with that, I would say if that's 1A, 1B would just be good decision-making or great decision-making. You can have all this, cause, and this is speaking from my basketball playing experience, like, you have all the skill in the world. You can shoot well. You can dribble well. You could finish well, and all this and that. And then third, but if you're not able to make good decisions on the court, if you're not training the the ability to make quick and you know good decisions, then all those skills go out the window, because you know nobody needs a workout warrior. They need a basketball player. Facts. That's a fact. Hey man, you got a title for this episode, bro? Nobody needs a workout warrior. We need a basketball player. That's a fact. That's a bar. That's the, that's the that's the title right there. I'm I'm writing right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, this shit, this can't be free, bro. Like you, you got D Lamb here spitting knowledge on people, man. This is this. You know, I I couldn't agree more. I I have this discussion with my brothers all the time about what the most important skill is, and like for me, when I started locking into shooting in particular, and like the ins and outs of it, and you watch basketball now, like yo, if you can't shoot, you really can't get on the court. There's so we had a uh, we did an episode with Wellington uh, earlier this week, and we talked about a big man at Purdue. Um, I, God, I can't remember his name. I think it's like he he has like a German last name. Big man, blonde hair. Um, I saw him play in person against Rutgers. Dude was a beast, like just feasting on the inside, like just killing people. Wabin? Yeah, recent basketball player. Recent, recent, bro. He was just there. He was just there. I can't remember the name. It's escaping me. Isaac Yes. 
Yes, him. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Student, student of the game. Count, count on D-Land for that. But, <laughs> yo, he was he was a dog. He was a dog throughout his entire career there. And it, it just – and it, he can't sniff an NBA contract. It's just, it just isn't happening. Like, he's probably floating around a league, but it's just not – you know what I mean? Like, so I think the one thing he missed from his game was that ability to shoot the ball and trust the floor. And he didn't he didn't have – he didn't display that in college. I can't say he didn't have it. I don't know. But he didn't display it. That wasn't his job, right? So, like – it's so crazy because you see it over and over again how important shooting is. Like, it, 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 if you if you don't have it, I don't see how you can play. And that's just a conversation piece. But I mean, I think that along with him though, like, I think just the traditional bigs in general are disappearing at least from NBA. Like, I think you can still succeed with a traditional a traditional big man, like a traditional low post center um, in college. Like Ozzy Cos did, he had a phenomenal college career. But like, you look at a kid like Jaleel Okafor, like ten years ago, Jaleel Okafor was uh probably the number one pick he was you know, going he's a long-term nba vet and everything but he just the timing didn't work out where i mean he's still a phenomenal player and he's done a great job trying to evolve his skill set to try to fit the game but he's obviously not as adept to it um as you know like a joel Embiid or carl king towns or a Jokic or something that's a fact yeah so we got a couple more questions before we transition to our last segment um, what is one thing that you would, a piece of advice that you would give a uh, up and coming basketball player outside of which if they weren't listening, you need to be able to shoot. What would be the next piece of advice you would give them? Uh, can you give me like an age range of who I'm talking to? Uh, we're talking to high school players, freshmen to seniors trying to get into college. You gotta love this stuff, man. Like you got you to gotta love it. If you don't love this, if you don't love the pro- – if you're in it for the clout, the the girls, the whatever that comes along with basketball, it's not going to work out. If you don't love it, if you're not about it, you're not going to be – you're not going to be willing to put in the hard days, the hard nights. You're not going to be – like I've, you know, I've talked to kids literally, um, some, some of the top high school basketball players in the state who wake up, 6 a.m. workout, go to school after after school. It's a workout, you know, to, or practice until late. Then they have to get back home. They have homework and then it's rinse and repeat. Like, and it's all because they love it. Like, they truly love what they do. And if you can't, if you don't love what you do, and again, it's a lifelong lesson. Like, I love what I do. So I'm able to do the 10 hour days, the 12 hour days. If I didn't love what I do, then I would hate every minute of it and I would just not want to, you know, I would find something else to do. So if you don't love what you do, you're not going to survive um, for very long, you know, regardless of your talent level. You might be able to make it through with your talent, but at some point in time, it's going to catch up and you have to really have that conversation with yourself. Like, do I truly love this and am I willing to put everything I have into it? I think that's key. Um, you hear all the greats talk about it, of having that obsession to detail sessions to get better, um, which is needed across the board. Yeah. I know you're not getting interviewed, but Greg, is that, do you have a love for podcasting? Because we've been recording since nine and you're still on with me. Like, is, is that, <laughs> is that on? Is it a love for podcast? I, I love, um, 
I love the space. I love to have a space where I could, you know, speak my piece. And I'm a, I'm a guy loaded with opinions. You know that. So, like, having a space like this to talk to guys like D. Lamb and talk to guys like Wellington Smith and guys like, and guys I've been blessed to meet in the basketball world, like, getting this getting this space to be able to give that kind of knowledge back to people on the platform and have a, having a platform in general, that's always been a goal of mine, like, lifelong. But, um, yeah, man, I, I love podcasts. Including you do, too. We've been doing this for two and a half hours. <laughs> Elam, real quick. Um, how important is stretching and diet when it comes to middle school or high school players and even college? Because I know – I'm pretty sure you've seen it. Greg, I know you've seen it. A certain age range, you could wake up and you could just go into the gym. You ain't have to stretch. You're able to just shoot your shots. You're dunking. You're jumping out the gym. But when you get higher at the ranks, you're talking about college and professional. They are some of the most athletic gifted people in the world. But they take stretching and their diet way serious and way more important than some of the younger generation it's aside from the dunking and jumping out the gym i can relate to all that um it's it's honestly what ended my basketball career like from not taking care of my body for not stretching eating freaking pizza rolls and chef boyardee and ramen noodles as a teenager all the time and like that's honestly what you know that's what did it for me and had i known these things, had I known how to take care of my body, um, had I, you know, I would have obviously done so. But it's it's so it's so important. Like it's as hard as these players work, and we talk about you know the love of the game, you know, having to work hard, and that's a given. But there are plenty of hard workers out there that just need need more insight on how to work hard, um, and part of how to how to work hard, if you, especially if you're logging three to six hours a day. Um, working out and everything like you have to understand how to take care of your body like the machine that you need to take care of if you're not sleeping right you're not hydrating right if you're not stretching right um, doing the right stretches if you're not obviously um, in the weight room and not just necessarily throwing out weight but doing the exercise that you need to obviously build a solid foundation before you start loading up on weight um, you're not going to put yourself in a very good position to succeed like your butt you're going to break down a lot sooner than later like people need to understand like knee pain is should not be like a knee pain is not normal like if your knees are hurting your back is hurting and everything like that that's your body's way of telling you something's wrong and you need to be able to address those things and if you're just thinking that i'm gonna push through it because you're you know super tough guy or girl or whatever like it's it's not very well for you because i was the same exact guy i thought i could push through everything I thought that I was being soft for sitting out or whatever. And I can tell you, it did not end up very well for me in terms of my playing career. Um, but when I would, did, did learn to take care of my body, the right stretches, the right corrective exercises and everything like that, that's when obviously my body started feeling a lot better. Real. Um, <laughs> you know, and as you age too, like this gets, this starts to be a little more critical too. Like I, I tried to play football this past weekend, not changing the subject, but Yo, yo, deal. Yo, I, I was trying to hawk dudes, chasing dudes down. Yo, I started feeling pulling my groin. Like it was done. It was hamstrings just now. <laughs> I'm feeling my hamstrings. 
like crazy, crazy. So like, yeah, stretch, you know, please stretch. I remember watching a video of Kobe talking about the importance of stretching. Like, it's it's just like if you don't and you don't get into the habit of it earlier on, you you start to think you're invincible because early because when you're young, you're like elastic. So it it, it it's it can be to your detriment if you're not stretching for sure. Um, last question before we get down to this uh, with the quick quickness segment, which is a lot of fun. I can't wait to get there. Um, in terms in, in terms of like you know the network you built through through your, through your training, right? Um, you've met some pretty cool people. I saw you were on live with um and yo, I'm kind of mad. I don't know his name, but uh, he wants to buy any means basketball account. Yeah, man, and he, he yeah he does a lot of cool stuff, a lot of great content, and talks a lot a lot of stuff you talked about. You know how much are you pulling from other guys? I, I know you mentioned DJ Sackman and people like that. Like how much are you you know, looking forward to kind of getting the getting to network with more trainers out there, like Dev, Devin Williams, and people like that. For sure. I mean, in terms of trainers, like I'm always obviously looking to uh, grow what I know of and be able to bounce ideas off of other trainers. Like I've been able to, like you said, um, I've been fortunate enough to meet or or at least have conversations with plenty of basketball trainers or coaches that I really, really respect and to be able to get ideas from them, bounce ideas off of them, be able to grow and, you know, be able to get different uh, business opportunities that kind of come about from that has been phenomenal. Um, outside the basketball training spectrum, it's, uh, it's something that I definitely want to continue to do as well. Like, I feel like I've you know, been very good, you know, fortunate enough to, again, be able to meet a ton of coaches, um, a ton of parents who had hold multiple jobs in different industries um you know people who are like ceos of big time companies so this has been super cool but yeah i'm, lo I'm looking forward to it for sure i definitely try to make an effort to continue to um expand my network be able to kind of stretch my tentacles out and try to you know be able to meet and have conversations with different people who you know are just fascinating people Thanks. Yeah, I think that's key in anything in life is the networking aspect um, and being able to have those conversations and being able to commu communicate. And I think the other thing that's key which is why you're able to network like that so well, and I'm pretty sure it will continue to grow, is that you know what you're talking about. You know this basketball, you're passionate about it, and you seem eager to learn, and you definitely are humble in regards of having room for improvement. So. I think that's a, also a thing that a lot of people don't understand when it comes to networking process. Within that, you got to know what you're talking about yeah. and coachable, which is not just, oh, being a player, but that's life. Like, you got to be coachable, be able to take lessons and take advice and be able then to execute and apply it. Transition to with the quick next segment, we just want to throw some like rapid fire questions, whatever comes to your mind. These are your own personal thoughts, personal opinions. So don't, if it's if it's a hot take, just let it be a hot take. It's cool. Do it. All right. Give me your five dream clients that you want to work with. Uh, at any level right now? Any level. Sheesh. I'm gonna shout out my man, Mackenzie Mbako. That's my first one. I've had uh, the pleasure of working with him a couple of times, but he's a he's a special kid. 
Uh, I does he count since I already work with him? No, sure, yeah. Okay. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo going out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, sheesh. I have not been keeping up with the young players in my phone. It is a tough one. You guys put me on the spot, but I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> try to get it out quick. Try not to overthink it. Um, it's so much talent out there. Somebody, somebody's gonna be left off. The- I'm going to Wilcher in state. Uh, young sophomore up and coming. Because um, I'm also trying to think of guys who are like obviously. Like I could say LeBron, but like he's not gonna like he's LeBron already with or without a train. He's gonna be LeBron. I'm thinking of guys who would really impact. Um another young player out there. I'm gonna go with Tyler Hero because he seems like a fun guy to work with. And lastly, I am gonna go with James Wiseman. Mm. Mm. I like that. I like that list. I like that list. I thought, I, I thought you would have thrown the mellow ball in there. I don't know. Seems like a fun guy he could work with. And we don't know. We don't know enough about that guy. Like his, you know, it's like the behind the scenes. He's on post. He don't post on social media a lot about his workout, so you don't see it. So I'm always so interested to see what that goes into that. You know what I mean? Um, that'd be interesting. Uh, but that's a great list. Just check out Lavar IG. <laughs> he don't post his workouts either. <laughs> We don't see nothing from him about workouts, bro. If you watch Family uh, Ball and the Family on Facebook, he he's showing they workouts. They pretty simple. They really are. That's the I, thing. I, I think D Lamb got Lavar on training. I think that's safe to say. Facts. He got me on marketing and wrestling and. Wrestling. <laughs> uh, so he got me on that. Marketing um, genius. In your opinion, right now, who's the top high school prospect? We've asked Mingo, we've asked um, Wellington. A lot of people, you know, they talk about DJ Wagner. Some people mention Mikey Williams. Who, in your opinion, is the top high school prospect? In the country? Yeah, in the country. Monty Biggs, no question. Yeah. Slam dog. Yo, in Jersey, in Jersey. When we say prospect, are we saying who's the best basketball player right now or who will eventually be the best basketball player? Right now. Best basketball in state right now. Jalen Blakes. Oh, um, Bla- Blair from Blair, right? Yeah, Jalen Blakes. Okay. A little bit yeah. of bias there, but going with him. Gotta ride with him. I'm woke to that. I got I gotta look at him. I gotta watch him more closely. I know you work out with him. I from Blair. That's that's the Blair ties. Yeah, as I said a little bit of bias, but he's uh he's a dog. All right, I'm tuned in. Top three players. In the NBA right now, who is your top three? LeBron. No question. Kevin Durant. And Steph Curry. Ooh. I like you. <laughs> I like you. That's tough. Steph and LeBron are easily the most disrespected superstars. And it, like, even for, it's crazy. Steph, I was broken numerous records, has shifted the culture of basketball in general. So for him to be this disrespected, it's, it, it's beyond me. But people people forget 
it's been one year, but people forget I'm going with stuff. I'm trying to. Okay. Okay. I like that. Let me ask one question real quick. Real quick. And I'm going to call audible here because I, I just want to know. I'm, I'm sure you've seen Taylor Horton Tucker's emergence in the preseason. I'm sure you've heard all the hype and everything like that. Is this. But I haven't, I haven't really watched it. I've only seen like, you know, the highlight clips and whatnot. Okay. Well, I mean, from a, from a, from an outside perspective, then like, is this real or is it cap? Like, what do you think with TH that with THT? I'm sure he's a phenomenal player. I am not taking too much stock in the preseason though. It's the same thing we saw with Bubble last year, but uh, not last year, uh, felt like last year, but before the bubble, the whatever preseason games they're doing, uh, the warm-up games before the bubble. Oh, Bubbles, like he's going crazy. He's going to be this down the third and didn't play at all. And it's like you can't put too much stock into preseason and these games and stuff like that. Uh, like if you were in the NBA, if you were suiting up, you can go. I don't care if you're a rookie. I don't care if you're whatever. Like you are a phenomenal basketball player. I'm sure if you were given the, if they were given those opportunities, they will be able to succeed. But it's um, it's about timing, opportunity, and obviously being able to have the skill set. So I don't know. I think he'll have, I think he'll have some opportunity just because you know they had a lot of players leaving. But I don't think it's obviously going to be what they see now. You know what I mean? He's not going to be getting the ball like that um, once LeBron and AD are back out there like that. In your opinion, with everything that's happened in the offseason, who is winning the NBA championship this year? Good question. Got to go for Lakers with a repeat. Lakers, all right. I'm I, Lakers. I think them and Golden State are going to – it's going to be a very, very interesting series if that happens. Hey, Mingo picked Golden State to win it all this year, so – you might be on to something right there. I think they sleeping on again. Steph being back, if Clay was healthy too. You know, I yeah, it's tough not having Clay out there, but I still think they have a very, very good chance to uh, contend. I think if, as a Lakers fan, being honest, I think if Clay was there, we're talking about Golden State being right there with LA because you got Kelly. A lot of people not taking stock yeah. in Kelly Oubre Jr. Draymond, you got Wiseman. This is their first time really having a true big in the post outside of what Zaza Patrulia and yeah. I mean, I think Wiseman is a clear upgrade right there. Hey, I think they're gonna be a team. Uh, that's a dark horse team. Yeah, and Wiggins, like that's that's a deep team that people gotta watch out for. Um, does James Harden get traded? this year or next year? I think it happens next year, if it happens. I think it's happening next year. It's just a lot of, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of, I don't want to say it's going to deter teams from wanting him because he's obviously, uh, you know, he's such a high caliber player. But, you know, I think a lot of the kind of noise around him might be a bit of a turnoff. You know, him going to clubs, you know, between games and stuff like that. Um, during COVID, it's just wild. Um, I don't know. I also, like, if he only wants to go to Philly or Brooklyn, like, I don't know what pieces you're giving up for that. Like, you're obviously not going to give up. Like, it for him to go to Philly would take, like, they would have to give up, like, Ben Simmons. And I don't know if they're willing to do that. Yeah. Two more before we get you out of here. 
it might be three depending on how you answer this. <laughs> Bron or MJ as your goat? Bron. All right, so it's two. I knew I liked Dean Lamb the first time I met him, bro. He just seemed like a sensible dude, bro. Yo, kids, listen up, bro. Just listen to listen to a real one. All right, it's real. This is real men talking right here. LeBron, bro. Tell by, that, why. by that answer, I don't have to. I don't have to ask the follow up. So we good. We on to the last question then. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got a follow up on that one. Five people, dead or alive, that you love to talk basketball with. Talk basketball with. Like pick their brain just on a basketball level. We typically ask, you know, top five people that are alive that you want to have dinner with. Being that you're a skilled player development, obviously high IQ, who would you want to actually just sit down, dead or alive, that you want to have a conversation with about basketball? I would have had an easy answer. I would have had easy five for you on the, the past uh, the last question because I always talk about that with people. Like I always ask that question to people. And vice versa, but basketball was um, Kobe for sure. RIP. Um, Tex Winter, who mm. I don't know if you guys know who Tex Winter is, but he was a longtime assistant with Phil Jackson with uh, Chicago Bulls and Lakers during both their championship runs. Who he essentially kind of was the catalyst behind triangle offense and just everything that they did. You know, from a schematics point of view, is he's a he's just a when we talk about guru, like that's that's him. Um say Pat Riley, just to really kind of you know get it from an OG. Uh <clears throat> last two. I would say Greg Pop because yes, also obviously from the basketball point of view, but I think that from his ability to deal with players is very, very special. How he's able to, you know, build those relationships and have a unique relationship with every player, I think is very special. And I think that is a huge part of being able to teach the game as well. Um, so what's that for? Yeah, that's for one more. Um, no, hold on. When I said Kobe, Tex, Pop, did I say somebody else? Pat Riley. Pat Riley. And I'm gonna throw Braun in there. I'm gonna throw Braun in there just because I want to get another player perspective. You know what I mean? Like it's cool to be able to hear from coaches and everything, but I feel like Kobe and LeBron are amongst two of the smartest basketball players to have ever lived, and I think that goes a long way for sure. Like it's great to be able to know things from a coach point of view, but it's uh, it's important to obviously be able to understand from player point of view as well. I think you would definitely mesh well with Kobe and Bron with how much they studied film. Like DeRozan came out, I'm sure you heard about this. DeRozan came out on the All The Smoke podcast and when he was in Toronto, he mentioned how Bron came on the court and do asked DeMar DeRozan, what's the play? And LeBron was able to tell them what their play was to me that mind-boggling and Kobe did stuff like that too would tell you like you're not you're supposed to go here you're supposed to set the back screen for him that's how I got that still like I've heard I've heard stuff about LeBron like beyond that like as crazy as, as that it is he'll know how to prepare for a team 
by understanding that this assistant coach who runs the offense, he liked to do with things this way when he was still a college coach seven years prior. Or so. it's, it's a different level. It's a different level. That's the Elon Trumpet interview he, where he talked about that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even uh, Richard Jefferson talked about it. Like, it's been times where they were in heaven, and it will, we'll end it off with this because we can really just – that's a whole other podcast. It's talking about LeBron James' brilliance. Where they're doing the pregame, Bron is on his phone, and he's like, "No, no, no!" They like to uh run the back screen. That's the wrong. That's the wrong thing. Wait, you're listening? And no, that's 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 the wrong play. Now they they're gonna run a back screen on that one. You're correcting the coach. Like this is he's supposed to know this stuff. Yeah. And you're you're correcting David Blatt. Let him know. Like, nah, that's not. This is how it's run. And like his brilliance. It's Martin. level. It's levels to this. It's levels to this, bro. It's it. That's. I'm telling you, it's levels to this. Like it's not many guys that have done it at that level and are here mentally. Mentally, you combine the mental ability with the physical ability that Brown has, and it's just like, go, go, undisputed. Like I, we could just we could dispute it. Let me not do that. Well, we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a conversation for another day, but yeah. All in all, like his greatness cannot be denied. Like it is just like you said, levels. It's it's a level that very few have been able to attain. Facts. Yeah, that's a conversation for another day with another set of people. Because I think everybody on this show right now, it would kind of just be a love fest. So we would have to get some other opinions in there to you know switch it up, have a little back and forth. But this concludes another episode, another installment. A great episode, great content. This is good for ballers of all ages, young, college, even some pros. I know some pros that could take some knowledge from here about shooting that they need to add to their game. We're not going to name no names. That's another episode. But, (laughs) again, we thank you, D-Land, for hopping on with us. Um, My listeners, everybody that's tuned in, make sure you subscribe, share it, comment, like, um, tag somebody, tag a friend. You know, of course, share it with your baby moms, your uncle, your baby daddy. Even if y'all don't talk, it's bench mob. It's sports. It's entertainment. We bring people together. It's just what we do. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Bench mob, we out. Peace. Peace. Again, thank you, man.